again. This is Our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 87, and my name is Stephanie. And I'm Leon. And Leon, now that E3's over, mm-hmm. you played some games? <laughs> yeah, I played. I assume? I played a game. Probably watched some movies, too? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Maybe Always. some TV shows? I'm behind on my General, TV shows. General, just a lot of media consumption. Yeah, I, I try. Books? Not yet. Reading books. Not, 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 not lately. Not lately, I should say. Not, That's like low priority, right? It's, it's, it, there's a squeeze going on. A squeeze. <laughs> everything, everything is pushing in at once. Like the universe. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I, I had to play something that, I, you know, was on my mind recently. It was a follow-up to a game I played not that long ago, just a couple of episodes ago, and... Uh, I had played Quackshot, you know, the, you know, starring Donald Duck <laughs> on the Genesis, and I mentioned that there were a couple of games that were made at the same time for the Sega Master System and for the Game Gear, basically the 8-bit systems of, you know, of that era. And uh, so I just said, you know, like, why don't I just dive in and play one of those two? And I went ahead and played uh, The Lucky Dime Keeper starring Donald Duck. <laughs> and what made you choose that one at first? That's... You know the first one. Oh, okay. The fir- the oh, fir- is it the first in the, it's, in the two of them? It's it. There was a second one as well, but this one this one came first. Mm. Uh, so this was released in 1991, right alongside Quackshot, wow. pretty much. So it's not quite like the way it was with Castle of Illusion, where you know there was a 16-bit Genesis version and then also an 8-bit like Master System and Game Gear version. Yeah. But they were kind of essentially the same game. Uh, in this case, this is like a kind of a totally different game. Mm. So it doesn't incorporate the gimmick that Quackshot has, that, that plunger gun action. Okay. There's none of that in this. So it's essentially unrelated. It's really not a follow-up or a companion game at all, really. It's just kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. So it was released in 91 uh, for the Game Gear in the U.S. and Japan. And for the Sega Master System, only in Europe and Brazil. So... Actually, uh, you know, there was no U.S. release on the Master System for this game. Uh, in Brazil, it was published in 1992 by Tectoy, the company that was licensed to produce Sega hmm. products in Brazil. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. So I, I thought, so are there a lot of titles in Brazil that are just exclusive to... Kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think they are a PAL country. Mm. So a lot of the PAL games that were made for Europe, I guess, went to Brazil also. And additionally, because the system was so popular there, they kept releasing games for it well into the Genesis life cycle and even beyond. I mean, they wow. they just kept it going. They really love the Master System down there. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, so I played the Master System version. Okay. I didn't play the Game Gear version. I, I did load up the Game Gear version briefly just to see if I could tell a difference. And it did seem a little simpler. Like, you could tell it was kind of, everything was kind of scaled to fit on like a handheld screen rather mm-hmm. than to be played on a TV. Um, there are some other differences too in terms of how the game plays, but I, more or less they're the same game. I mean, there's not really a huge difference, but it's just this little things like um, like in this one. This one has random item placement, and the Game Gear version is like everything's kind of fixed, um, so it's, it's not quite big as random. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was done by the same Sega design team as Quackshot and the other Disney Illusion games. So there is, 
you could tell there's sort of like the same type of care taken in the game. It's not like it was farmed out to some other team. Um, but you know, overall, you could tell though it is kind of scaled down compared to some of the other games. Um, so the setup in this game is that Uncle Scrooge gives his nephews a dime each, right? The three, um, you know, Huey, Louie, and Dewey, the, the, the three nephews, right? And, and, and actually, I never noticed this. What were you going to say? I was just going to comment on his big spending. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's part of the plot. A dime. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, you know, at first they seem to wonder, like, what's the catch? Why are you only giving us, like, a dime? Like, yeah. what's the value of that? And he tells them that that's how he started his fortune. You know, he he had his lucky dime. And from that one dime, he grew into being the richest duck in the world. Okay. <laughs> you know? So, um, he says to them, like, you know, for them to be as lucky, it really just depends on how hard they work. So, this is meant to be some kind of, like, you know, life lesson mm. to teach them Thanks. to work hard and earn, you know... <laughs> earn uh, the fortunes that they get uh unbeknownst to you know that crew um the villain magica dispel is watching from the window this is like an evil looking duck she looks a little bit like uh i don't know vampire yeah right like like a morticia type or something right Uh and um you know at that moment like right after he's done telling them all this you know, they get kidnapped. These giant birds swoop in. So I guess already the dime's not working for them. They're not so lucky. They're getting, like, immediately kidnapped. <laughs> and uh, Magica then appears, and she snatches away Scrooge McDuck's lucky dime. Like, it's his own dime. Um, so he says to Donald, he goes, you know, Donald, we have to get it back. And Donald says, you know, like, phooey, I have to get back, you know, Huey, Louie, and Dewey first. I mean, the, you know, your dime is great and all, but I, I got to get my nephews back. And uh, Scrooge says, you know, like, of course, of course, you know, you got to get the nephews back. But I'll give you a reward if you get the lucky dime back, too. So that's that's sort of where the adventure takes off. And, uh, you know, Donald takes off in his propeller plane. And... Um, I'm given, like, a map of the Americas that's pretty much uh, a stage select. So each of the nephews, you see, like, their portraits are plastered on the map. And, um, you know, that represents a different stage. So a bit like Quackshot, uh, any of those three stages can be played in any order. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to go specifically to a particular stage. But unlike Quackshot, there's no... There's no right way to do it. Like, a quack shot, at least there were, like, certain items that you had to get from certain stages to bring it back to another stage to be able to use it. Um, so there's none of that here. It's, you know, a bit simpler in that respect. So the first three stages that you get a choice of are called the Northern Woods, uh, the Great American Forest, or the Andes Mountains. Uh, these are not presented in the game. This is strictly from the manual. Uh <laughs> So, um, before I get into, like, what the stages are like, um, there's some other uh, background information I can mention. So, I said that, like, Donald doesn't have his his weird plunger gun or his popcorn gun. or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. Instead, he starts this game with a hammer. He's got this large, like, mallet, the kind that you would, like, hit, like, one of those, like, uh, carnival games with to, mm-hmm. like, see how hard you can hit it. <laughs> like, a big, a big mallet that he can swing. Um, but if he gets hit, he'll lose that weapon... And now he's vulnerable, because if he gets hit again without a weapon, he loses a life. So basically, Donald can take two hits before he loses a life. 
Um, but if he picks up another hammer as like a like a power up item, or um, there's an alternate weapon that's actually a frisbee. <laughs> so instead of swinging a hammer, he can he can throw a frisbee or a mm, discus. Sounds like a better weapon, I would say. Uh, it depends. Yeah, like the, the frisbee definitely gives you some some distance advantage, and you can also uh, like shoot it upwards as well. But um, the hammer is pretty good too. It's pretty. It's I, I think a stronger weapon. Um, he can also hop on enemies to defeat them. So he doesn't. He's not. Uh-huh. You know. So if he loses his weapon, he can still hop on an enemy to beat it, mm-hmm. and then hopefully they drop something that lets him use a weapon again. Um, there's a couple of other items to pick up. There's like these little blocks with stars in them, and after collecting three stars. Um, the weapon attacks become faster, so he can like you know shoot faster or swing faster. Um, and if he gets up to five stars, it grants like temporary invulnerability. Uh, it's not the the quack attack like the last one. It's just he just blinks and he can like run and and um, run into item, you know enemies and, and clear them faster. Um, but as soon as that wears off, the, the the star counter gets reset back to zero, and then you have to pick up like more stars again. Um, there's a couple of other items. Um, there's like gems for points. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I would pick them up if they were there, but I wasn't specifically chasing after them. Also, the stages are timed. There's no counter on the screen, but there's like a time bar. There's like a little bar that kind of shrinks down as time passes. Um, it changes from blue to yellow to red. And if the red one runs out, then that's it. You lose life after that. But I never actually ran out of time. The stages are pretty short, <laughs> so there's plenty of time to finish off a level before you are even in that danger zone. Also, when the stage is uh, completed, you get a you know a, a bonus for whatever time is left over. So I guess that's the incentive for trying to finish as fast as you can. Uh, so in the northern woods, uh, this is like kind of a forest area. This place has. Um, angry bees in it and it's got like um, a spider that swings on a thread and when I whack it with a hammer he'll like go swinging away and then he comes back and you know then I can hit him again to finish him off Um, there's also these weird hopping mushrooms that burrow into the ground and like pop back up unexpectedly Um, there's also like some opportunities to do some vine swinging here and um there's like beaver mounds where like the beavers dig into the mound and like throw twigs up into the air. Mm-hmm. You have to avoid the twigs. Uh, at the end is like a very quick boss encounter with like a bear who's got like, he's got a, a bee following him around. Um, and I think he's got like honey on his head or like a beehive or something. Okay. It's hard to tell from the graphics yeah, exactly what was going on there. Um, but all I gotta do is like smack him with the hammer a couple of times to beat him. He really wasn't too hard at all. And that <laughs> frees up the, you know, uh, Louie in the process. Uh, so the next area is called the great American forest. And there I see like, there's like, it's kind of like over a river. It seems like it's like river based. Um, there's like leaping fish that jump out and there's like snakes to watch out for. And, there's also a flying creature that flies overhead. I couldn't really tell what kind of a bird it was supposed to be, but it looked more like a griffin to me, which is like this, you know, like (laughs) mythical imaginary creature. It's not even like a real thing. Um, it flies around dropping rocks and, um, 
you know, I hop down a waterfall at some point, and there's also like a little underwater segment where Donald gets to swim underwater. Um, you know, he has to avoid like angry fish and like falling spikes and stuff like that. Um, so a little more, uh, you know, like resurface after the little underwater thing, a little more down the river leads to a boss fight on like three different platforms with this lion that can like kind of zoom across the screen very fast. And beating it was really simple. All I had to do was just like stand on one side of the screen and just jump up right before he gets there and I'll just end up landing on him. Mm. And that was uh, really simple to beat. (laughs) So now Dewey is free and that leaves the Andes Mountains to go to. And this is, you know, sort of got like a Central American theme to it, even though the Andes Mountains, I think, are fully in South America. But, you know, be that as it may, it's got very sort of psychedelic colors, um, very purple and yellow predominantly. Um, I encounter like, I guess kind of like a minotaur looking creature wearing a poncho, I think. (laughs) (laughs) There's like bouncing vases and like uh, this buzzard that flies overhead and he poops out like cactuses. To, you know, to, what is that about? I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe that's what they eat up to down there. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, there's a segment where I have to avoid like these rolling boulders rolling down a hill while those buzzards are also flying in. That segment reminded me a little bit of Jungle Hunt when you're like rolling down that hill and there's like rocks falling. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they bounce. And, yeah, mm-hmm. But they don't bounce in this case. Oh, they just, okay. they they just roll. roll. Mm-hmm. But they roll in both directions. They roll both oh. down the hill and then up the hill that's, also. That's weird. <laughs> so it's a little bizarre. Um, but that leads to a tomb where there's sort of like this um, revolving wall that spawns these enemies that I can break through. So this wall just keeps moving. And if I break it enough, I can I can then pass through it. Um, I have to go over like more spikes and these weird blue blocks that are flying through the air. Um, but once outside, there's like another one of those hills to run down until the boss encounter, uh, is, uh, you know, arrived at, which is these two large statues. And as it turns out, like from the tomb, there were like these carvings, these like heads, mm-hmm. like uh, made of stone or something. So I see one of those appear overhead and it kind of splits in two and they appear to like enter the statues. So I think the statues become like possessed by spirits or something like that. Okay. (laughs) So it starts throwing out boulders, but it's really no trouble at all to just avoid the boulders and just keep hitting the statues with the hammer. And that's really all it took to beat them. Does the hammer feel anything like the pogo stick from DuckTales? Um... I don't think so. Not really, because you just kind of swing it very quickly. Okay. It doesn't help your jumping at all or anything mm-hmm. like that. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, especially if you've got the extra stars and you can, I mean, you can hit it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> very easy to spam that weapon, basically. Um, so as a result of beating this boss, Huey is now freed and he says he knows where the dimes have been taken. Uh, he gives, you know, the little cutscene occurs and, um, he says, you know, I know where, I know where the three dimes that uncle Scrooge gave us, but I don't know where his dime is. Um, so that pretty much sets the stage for the next three stages that I'm going to, I'm going to take on. Um, you know, uncle Donald, Donald says he accidentally kind of mentions the reward that he's supposed to get, you know, from, Uh from uncle Scrooge for recovering the dimes. Uh, Okay. 
But when, you know, Huey says, well, what, what reward? What are you talking about? He kind of plays dumb. He kind of realizes he spilled the beans on that. And, he, you know, he tries to play it off. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, don't worry about it, you know. Um, so that's pretty much what happens for the next three stages and pretty much trying to recover the, the lucky dimes that the nephews were given. And the choices there are um, the tropical isles in the Pacific, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pyramids in Egypt, and the South Pole, right? So, obviously, we're talking about, like, a jungle stage, a uh, desert stage, and an ice uh, and snow stage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, these stages are a little longer than the previous ones. They're a little more involved and slightly dip- more difficult, but... Still platforming? Yeah, okay. it's pretty much all, like, you know, side-scrolling, platforming-style action. Um so the tropical isles makes you think of Hawaii. It's got palm trees and these big clouds in the background, but there's also like flame jets coming out of the ground. There's like fireballs coming out of uh, a volcano in the background. That's like spewing these things up into the air. There's natives wearing these tiki masks and they're holding like bats in their hands, Mm -hmm. but they don't really swing the bat. They just kind of run into me if I let them. Um, and there's also like these fire breathing statues, of course. There's like a whole fire theme going on with this level. Uh, there's a bamboo door that I get to that I can enter now a chamber, and there's more fire to avoid with like statue heads that are shooting fire. And, you know, these large heads in the background that spew out like lava onto the ground, but they're really easy to avoid. Not, I mean, they, you know, they're all timed, so it's not, it's not too difficult. Um,. The next room has, like, lava pits that appear to make Donald pant from the heat. He, like, looks very hmm. visibly hot and sweaty. Okay. <laughs> um, and now there's bats, like, flying around. So as soon as, you know, as soon as I uh, stop, if, as soon as I'm not moving, he's, like, going through that animation. So that looks pretty cool. Does um, Donald not have that thing where he freaks out and yells and, like... Yeah, that was, like, the quack attack. No, oh, yeah. not, there's not none, of this. none of that here. There's, there's no chili peppers uh, to make uh, him do that. So. I thought maybe the heat because of... <laughs> yeah. And there, maybe he would have done that. Okay. Uh-huh. No, it, it, I, I guess that doesn't affect him. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, in this level, I actually find, like, a key that I have to use to open a door to get to another room. So, that's the first time I see that. Um... Well, so far it's all pretty simple, but there's a room I ha- like. There's a room that I run into next that has like a bit of a challenge to it. Um, and basically, there's like there's like drops, like water drops, sort of from the ceiling that cause like a series of drop, uh, a series of blocks with eyes on them to blink out when I land on them. So like there's like a big lava pit, and these blocks are you know strung like along the pit. And as I jump on them, these drops, these droplets come down and like cause the block to disappear. So you pretty much have to run across it very quickly and jump and, you know, try to avoid falling off the block and falling into the lava and having to do it all over again. Um, I don't know that the controls were really tight enough because these blocks are like one block wide, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like really narrow. So it felt a little slippery trying to do this. I had to repeat it a couple of times. Wow. Um, but there's another room where there's like a shaft of blocks being destroyed by like dripping lava and pretty much I have to stand in the shaft and watch as the drops come down from above and then like get out of the way so I don't get hit by them. But meanwhile, it'll destroy the block. So that's how you can you oh, know, progress through it. Uh-huh. Um, it's almost like a, like a Tetris 
kind of a shaft, you know, mm-hmm. but there's like lava dripping to destroy the blocks. Um, so that was kind of neat. Um, at the bottom, there's like two exits and I'm not sure if they're different, but I went left and, um, then I ha- like eventually get to the boss encounter, which is, um, a large like black bird wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He's like a Raven sort of, <laughs> it's kind of what it looks like. Um, I don't remember him from the cartoon. Yeah, I don't know. These are the, I think these are the birds that kidnapped the nephews in the beginning. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But, you know, like, they're kind of... They're, they were indicated on the map. Like, you kind of saw their heads. So, like, this one has, like, a little flower in its hair. Like, if it, like, if it had hair, if a bird had hair <laughs> on its head, this one had, like a, like, a little flower stuck in it to make it, like, more tropical, I guess. Um, so, this one, it, like flies up and it drops bombs. It's like pooping bombs out. <laughs> and, um, all I had to do was just bounce on it a few times. Um, you know, smashing it with a hammer also worked, but I just found it very easy as it swoops in to just jump up and land on it. And I kind of finished it off. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, once he's beaten, Donald retrieves that lucky dime from that particular display case. Uh, it's like held up in like a, a little, um, I guess it's like, a, it's almost like a crystal ball sort of. But, uh, anyway, so the next one is the pyramids, which apparently is in Egypt. Uh, this one also features bats. There's like red scorpions. Mummies. Um, there are a type of mummy that you see towards the end of the stage. It's mm-hmm. like, but it's got like a duck bill sticking out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that style. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely see those. But in the beginning, it's just like these beetles are like, there's like sand traps in the desert with Mm -hmm. like a a beetle in the bottom of it. So if you get stuck in it and you fall down far enough, you'll get hit by the beetle. So you want to avoid that. Um, so obviously the action continues until I get into like a pyramid. Um, here there's like falling blocks and like spear traps to dodge. But there's also, like, a new thing that's uh, actually a treasure room. This is, like, uh, a thing that pops up in the game a couple of times. So there's, like, a series of chests here. And um, some of them contain prizes. But some of them are, uh, you know, my favorite type of enemy, a mimic. (laughs) Which is a treasure chest that is, like, actually a monster. (laughs) You know? So if you try to open it, it'll, it'll, like, you know, bite you or damage you or Uh something. How do you find out? Um, you just have to like bounce on it or, or shoot at, you know, like swing at it Mm -hmm. and that'll cause it to, to be defeated, you know, rather than, um, giving you just a prize right from, from the outset, you know? Um, so I got, you know, took some damage here and I'm, I was forced to switch to the Frisbee weapon for a while, which, um, I didn't find it quite as comfortable as the hammer. Um, cause if I throw the Frisbee and I miss, (laughs) then like the enemy gets closer to me and I can't like hit it so easily. Um, this is also like another room where there's like a series of blocks being dropped. Also similar to like the Tetris style of a game. Um, they stack in a way that sort of let me climb out of the room, which I thought was interesting. And now it's like the opposite. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like they fell down and now they built like a, a stairway that you can use to climb up. Mm-hmm. Um, that leads up into like what looks more like a pyramid like structure. And, um, now there's like a whole string of doors and that's, this is the room that I see those, those mummies show up. Cause they just kind of, they just pop out of like a, a sarcophagus and then just kind of run very quickly across the screen. If you can't defeat them, they're just kind of there as kind of background, but 
But if they run into you, they, you still take damage. So you just have to kind of avoid them. Mm-hmm. Um, so now there's like a whole series of doors, and most of them are treasure rooms, but two of them contain the keys to the boss room. So you can take either path, I found out. Like you can either go like into one room or the other, and I chose one that, you know, was not quite as bad. It's another one of those like lava, like run the blocks over the lava pit to get across and, you know, recover the key there. And the boss encounter is with another blackbird, but this time it's got like the Pharaoh's style headdress on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like kind of like a Sphinx almost. Uh, and he's like blowing notes out that cause like a giant snake head to rise out of like a series of pots along the floor. So the floor is like a long series of pots and I guess it's playing notes like a snake charmer would. Yeah. Even though I don't, I don't, you don't I, hear the notes. being. Played. You don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. You have to like avoid the notes and then you also have to worry about the snake that's popping up. Now you can stand on the snake's head. That's kind of what you want to do to be able to, cause the snake will rise up and bring me closer to the, to the actual bird flying overhead. But the snake will also flick its tongue up, and that'll that'll cause damage also. Mm. So <laughs> this one's a little more of a complicated fight. There's like a little more going on here. Um, but ultimately, it's you know not terribly difficult to to find a way to finish him off. Um, the snake also like blows out a puff of venom. If I'm just walking on the floor and the snake pops up somewhere else, he'll blow some venom towards me. Um, so that's another thing to worry about. Uh, but once beating him, um, I go on to the South Pole and, you know, obviously Antarctica is the only destination left here. And, you know, Donald is also got like another custom animation here. He's immediately like shivering when he's idle in this, in this, uh, region. Nice that they paid attention to detail like that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, I think they were, they were definitely aware of, of, you know, thinking that that's a cool thing to add to a game like this. Um, this zone also has like the added effect of like having like visible wind that will like act as resistance for Donald slowing him down when he's running or pushing him and the other, you know, if it's blowing in the direction that he's moving in. So that creates some complication and, um, there's like snow beasts sliding around on the ice here. Um, sometimes they slide on their bellies. (laughs) Sometimes they just kind of stand around and wait for me to get closer to them. Uh, there's swordfish that leap out of the water, like wherever there's breaks in the ice. And, um, I, you know, that's just like a little bit of time on the surface, but then I enter like a series of caves, which are filled with like more snow beasts. And sometimes there's like a little snowman type of figure who's like, like builds a wall, I think. Mm-hmm. Builds um, a wall, huh? Yeah. You like, you know, out of ice blocks okay. or something. Uh, still not too hard to beat. Um, eventually I get to the, the next boss fight, which was with the third, uh, blackbird or raven or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And this one is wearing like a winter parka because, <laughs> you know, even the birds are cold. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, it might be a tropical bird, right? Uh, it could so be, I guess cold. so. That's uh-huh. possible. <laughs> um, so what this guy does is he raises like these ice blocks out of the ground and then like kicks it towards me, like very, like kind of pengo style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, another, uh, you know, favorite, uh, Sega game. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I wonder if they had that in mind when they did that. Um, but anyway, like, Donald interrogates the birds once, once this one's defeated. This one was probably the easiest one. Hmm. Um, 
uh, overall, actually, I should, I should mention that the South Pole stage was not as complicated as the other two. Okay. In that, you know, in that second half of the game. Um, but anyway, he, he asks them, like, well, where's, where's this final last dime? And he finds out that it's in, of course, Magica's castle, <laughs> which appears to be somewhere in Italy, I guess, mm-hmm. I think, according to the map. Okay. So that leads to the seventh and final stage of the game. Um, Magica's castle appears to be haunted. There's bone-throwing skeletons that emerge from, like, these top hats that are sitting on the floor. Um, there's, like, floating forks that fly off of, like, tabletops. Um, there's ghosts. There's, like, portraits that fall off of the walls of Magica herself. (laughs) Um... After making it to the roof of the castle, I drop into this well where I enter like a really challenging room of like, it's like a row of spikes and floating platforms that I have to jump off of. And again, the, the platforming is a little, you know, loose in this game, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this one was like probably the hardest part of so just you fall down a lot. Yeah. Like you end up like, it's like the block feels like kind of slippery. Yeah. It's like. You know, you make your landing, but then you kind of sketch a little bit, and it kind of just... It's very easy to slide right off. Mm. Um, After this, like, spike room, there's uh, a hall of mirrors where these green ghosts will float out of the mirrors and follow me around. Um, There's, like, another room with, like, these big knights in armor that have these large, like, poles with spikes on them. You have to, like, kind of... They act as gates, and you have to kind of time your... You run through them, wait for them to lower the, the poles. Um, there's like a lot of different pr- branching pathways. Like there's many different exits to the room. So you might take one and it ends up like leading back to like an earlier part of the castle or an earlier part of the level or, or a longer path to get to where you're supposed to go. So it took a lot of trial and error to try to like get through this part successfully. Yeah, that sounds really annoying when you have... That type of stage mm-hmm. layout. Right. Usually the easier path is the longer one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so I try to get to the furthest one possible. Like if, if I see a branch and it's like, well, one branch exits and the other branch continues, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll continue. Did you use paper at all? Um, no. Okay. No, I didn't bother trying to draw it out or anything like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, eventually I do find the room where Magica is keeping, like, you know, the prize... Uh, Scrooge's dime in this case um, it's fairly simple there's like an orb that contains his dime in the center there's like a pedestal in the middle of the room and she's up on the right side on top of this column and she's throwing down like lightning bolts and causing bombs to fall on the screen and um, I managed to get up to that pedestal but I don't think I could damage her directly like I was trying to hit her and that didn't seem to do anything um, but so all I really need to do is just smash the orb. Like if I smash the orb that contains the dime, that lets it loose, and once that's done, she just falls to her knees, like sobbing. And <laughs> she's like defeated that you, you know, managed to to get the dime back. Uh, so the scene changes, and uh, we're back with Uncle Scrooge and the boys, and he's thanking Donald for all that he's done. He says. Um, you know, of course, Donald reminds him of the promise of a reward. He's like, you know, like, hey, you know, you kind of... Yeah, he worked hard. Yeah, like, where's my reward? So, naturally, it's a lucky dime of his own. That's the prize that he gets. Ah, uh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the lesson that you're supposed to get out of all uh-huh. this. It's like, oh, well, you know, Donald, if you 
you know, start with this dime and you work hard, you'll get a big fortune just like me. <laughs> so that pretty much ends the game. There's not much more to that. Darn Scrooge. <laughs> Cheapo. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I mean, really, wouldn't Donald get his fortunes anyway when Scrooge passes on? Um, you wonder how that works. In line? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's funny because I looked at the. <laughs> I actually found like a, a a duck family tree for like you know like Donald Duck because you wonder like wait a minute if the if if it's Uncle Scrooge but then Huey Lewis and Dewey are their nephews like like they're not Donald's kids. No. It's, it's actually Donald's nephews. Yeah. And Uncle Scrooge is like his great uncle. Like the nep- the kids are his sister's kids. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's right. how <laughs> So that's how it works. I mean, like, I, so I, so who's the sister? Um there is a name to her. Okay. I I just I, I don't know it offhand, but mm. but if I guess I guess if there's any like deep Disney <laughs> historians out there, they'll know the yeah. answer to this. Um so I don't know, yeah. So like I said, the game, the stages in the game, and overall the game is fairly short. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. Sounds to get like through it, all. yeah. Sounds pretty easy too, from what you. Yeah, said. I, a couple of things about the game that annoy me. Um, so like I said, the, the jumping just feels a little off. I mean, it's not horrible, but something about it just doesn't, doesn't feel quite right based on like other games that I've played. Um, he doesn't seem to stick the landing exactly where I would want it every time. Um, so the accuracy in general is just not the greatest. So usually what ends up happening is I like, I'll end up swinging that hammer like pretty wildly just to make sure that if I'm trying to land a certain place, that there isn't an enemy nearby and it'll, I'll make sure to take care of it with the hammer just in case, um, instead of placing like a hit strategically right where I want it, you know, just like a precaution. I end up swinging a lot. Um, and also a lot of the enemies, they drop items, like I said, but the annoying thing is the item, I have to wait for the item to bounce up and land on the ground in order to pick it up. So like if I defeat an enemy and he releases like a star, uh-huh. star pops up into the air, but I can't grab it while it's in the air. It has to go all the way up and then land on the ground for me to be able to get to it. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So the net effect of that is that it just kind of slows the game down because I want to keep moving mm-hmm. and grab my item, but I have to like take like a half a second pause and wait for that animation to finish before I can... Hmm. I can pick up the item. Um, you know, and additionally, I mean, if the item flies up and it falls into a pit, that's it. It's like, it's lost. And I can't, like, grab it in midair. Mm. If, um, you know, if I was in the right place to do that. Um, but on the plus side, like I mentioned, Donald's animation's really good. Uh, when he runs and he jumps around, you know, well animated overall. Um he blinks as he walks. Like you actually see him blinking his eyelids. Oh, okay. Um, nice attention to detail. He'll like teeter on a ledge, like the way like mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse does in the illusion games. He'll like kind of yeah. try to, you know, regain his balance and stuff. So that, that all that looks great. He like on a normal stage, he's kind of swaying side to side in his idle animation. Um, he'll even get mad and like stomp his foot when I don't move for a long time. Oh, okay. He gets frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I checked on eBay just to see what these games, this game's going for, uh, fairly inexpensive, pretty cheap. It's like 20 to $35 for like a complete inbox. This is still a PAL version. This is the PAL SMS version. Yeah. So it Um, wouldn't work on the American 
on console? Um, I don't really know how Master System compatibility works with those type okay. of games. I'm assuming there's some kind of converter. Mm. Or maybe this, the system switches. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it would convert PAL to NTSC? Um, it depends. Like, the machine would be outputting NTSC. So okay. I don't know that it's going to... That the NTSC mm. machine would switch it to PAL mode. Um, but, uh, you know, Brazil or Europe. I mean, the game was available in Brazil and Europe and, I guess, Australia also. Okay. So any of the PAL territories. Uh, it's funny, because, I, I mean, I obviously played this in emulation. And um, I... I usually have the emulator set to auto detect the video mode. Mm-hmm. Um, it still came up in like NTSC 60 frame per second mode. So I went in and manually set it to PAL, like so it dropped to 50 hertz, and the game was visibly slow. It was like running too slow, definitely. So I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't quite sure how that works. Like, like maybe. Um, it somehow is not emulating it correctly. I'm not really sure. But I had to set it back to 60 to, for it to play hmm. normally, like to feel right. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Um, so like I said, like about 20 bucks, I guess, is what you would expect to pay for like a complete in-box copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's even cheaper from international sellers for some reason. Uh, I saw it as low as $8 for like a loose cart or complete. I mean, it, it seems like... The, it's a plentiful game. You don't, you don't have any trouble mm-hmm. getting like it, uh, a good copy of it. Uh, game Gear versions seem to be about the same. Really no difference. Uh, but there was a limited edition of this game that was released in the UK. Uh, and the sticker on the box says it came with a quacking great Master System game. It also came with a cassette tape, which featured a selection of Disney songs. An audio cassette. An okay. audio cassette. <laughs> Remember, this game is 1991. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it also came with a t-shirt, which features the cover art for the game. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised to see the price on this thing. Oh, uh, I saw two sold within the last two months. Uh-huh. Uh, one was for uh, $1,288. Oh, okay. With, <laughs> with $4 shipping. Holy cow. Well, $4. And another one was for about $1,053. Holy cow! Yeah, it came. It came in like kind of like a like a black box. Yeah, with like uh, some Donald Duck uh, portrait on it, not the same as the cover art, and like a, an embossed black Sega logo on it. Hmm. So it was kind of like you know a deluxe game. I wonder how many they made of those things. Uh, I have no clue. Yeah, seemed kind of rare. So this is like the like limited run of its time. <laughs> Maybe you call it. You know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it was it was exclusive to the UK, so uh-huh. I guess maybe the other territories. Strange that they even made that. Um, yeah, pretty surprised. But I'm sure there's some rabid Master mm. System collectors out there. Yeah, I bet, right? If they want every last game, mm-hmm. this is going to be uh, one of the holy grails, I guess. Do you feel like you'd play the Game Gear version, or is it too um, similar? It's pretty much the same game, okay. so I don't really think there's much benefit in playing that one. Mm. Uh, unless you just happen to have a Game Gear and you don't want to, you know, and you, and you don't have a Master System and you don't want to import <laughs> the uh, the cartridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess if you have a Game Gear, then you know, and you're limited to U.S. games, then that's really the only option to to be able to play that. Uh, I don't believe this game was re-released on any other formats or systems, so that's kind of it. Yeah, I don't recall seeing it on any compilation or anything. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, my game, one of my games that I played, you might find interesting. Oh, tell me more. It's called Tron Runner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Run, 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 run Slasher? Yeah. <laughs> run Slasher. Uh, I just played the demo. It's a free demo. On, mm-hmm. uh, I, I played it on the PS4. Right. I think it's on Xbox One and Steam also. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if the demo is, but on PS4 it is. Uh, it's the demo is more than enough game for me to know if I want to buy this. It's like I don't know if anyone has seen the clips, but it's sort of like it almost looks like a mobile game where you're looking behind the character and you're auto running through the mm-hmm. stage, right? Kind of moving like dodging left and right to pick up like coins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, it uses the the Tron Legacy style of graphics okay and you know flashing lights and that type of setting i feel like the games felt a little thin to me right um most of the you place two stages in the demo and the whole first stage is basically tutorial and then the second stage is like a regular stage i guess but it that seems like a it's like a storage stage for some reason Mm -hmm. really i don't know i can't even say anything good about it are there like obstacles to avoid or like, uh, different pathways to take not really They're, no it's just straight line uh-huh but you can the, the thing is like there's certain parts where you have to like jump onto the next platform as you're order running mm-hmm. and then sometimes there's no platforms so you have to do a wall jump onto the side and you just do like wall jumps continuously until the next platform appears oh, i see and that's it and then sometimes the thing barriers do pop up and you, you have to shoot them you can tap the buttons to shoot Mm -hmm. um and then they kind of blow up like kind of bits sort of thing yeah i don't know i i i I couldn't really get into it i'm just playing it i'm like this should be like a free-to-play game like what is this (laughs) do you think uh any of the dlc would add anything to the game i don't think there is dlc well there's like a like if you buy the game isn't there like a deluxe package that includes some stuff i think it's the soundtrack or is it just currency i think it's maybe it's currency Hmm. yeah because you can buy add-ons like that little characters that will follow you yeah and they'll kind of auto shoot for you or they'll give you like speed ups or slowdowns or something mm. depending on like whatever the special power is but i don't know i didn't really seem like i needed it okay um how, how was the soundtrack in the game was it like reminiscent of non-memorable i would say was it uh like they don't use any licensed it, tracks or anything no it did not feel like anything from the daft punk stuff but mm-hmm. it seems like that's what they were going for but uh-huh. i it didn't leave an impression on me mm. well i should say that i'm a really big tron fan so yeah um i like most of the tron games even the last one that was on xbox 360 mm-hmm that a lot of people didn't like. And it's not a great game, but it's okay. I found that it was all right. Hmm. But I don't know. Like, maybe... So, I don't know. It should have been a mobile game. Hmm. I think I'd probably enjoy it more than on a, on a Sony controller. Yeah. I don't think it... I'm not sure that it did come out on any mobile platforms, right? No. No. Just console yeah, and bizarre. PC? Yeah. Huh. And it's like a $20 game, too. It's really strange. <laughs> I don't get it. Hmm. I guess they understand. didn't size up the market well, correctly. Well, my, uh, that's, that's possible. My theory was that they were going to make that new movie, Tron 3, whatever they're going to call it. Mm. And probably at some point the game got, the movie got canceled 
but they already started working on the game. So now they're like, well, we have to release this game, which was supposed to be a promotion for the movie. Mm. And now there's no movie, so let's just release this and try to get some of our money back. I guess that's possible. But that's the only thing I can think of, because I don't understand where this fits in with anything. and mm-hmm. It just it's, doesn't even feel like a full game. Like, there's no story or anything, and I don't know. Hmm. Too bad. Yeah. So... But, I don't know, free demo, maybe try it and see if maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it's something that you would like. If you're a Tron fan? Yeah. Perhaps. I guess I, I do count myself as a Tron fan. Right. So, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll try to And maybe the full version it. adds a lot more. Maybe the demo is just not enough and I'm not seeing the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So, maybe I'll look up some Twitch feeds or YouTube clips of people who've played, like, long plays of it. Mm-hmm. But I played another game. It's called 8-Bit Boy. Hmm. Do you know some 8-Bit Boys? <laughs> um, I've never actually checked Bitness. Never checked Bitness. So I couldn't say. Well, what would you imagine 8-Bit Boy is like? Uh, I'm going to say it's like um, kind of like a, like a pixel-looking guy. Pixel-looking guy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 8-Bit. <laughs> sure. I guess you're kind of close. Limited palette. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much pretty much on the right track. And that, that, okay. And that's kind of how I feel about this game. It's sort of like very predictable. Sort of you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nothing, not throwing anything new at you in gameplay style or anything. It, it's from... It's a game from, and released in 2014. Mm-hmm. So it's not that old. It's a side-scrolling platformer. And it's influenced by, like, Super Mario Brothers... Wonder Boy, uh, Mega Man, and I would say probably more closely to the Gianna sisters. Mm-hmm. Like, this game feels to me more of, like, an Amiga game. Mm-hmm. Almost like a 16-bit game more than an 8-bit game. Mm-hmm. I don't really... Playing it, I, I didn't get the impression, like, oh, this is something I would play on Nintendo. I feel like, oh, this is something that I would have seen uh, in, in a magazine for the Amiga, Commodore uh-huh. Amiga, and I would have been like, oh, I, that looks like a Mario-type game or something. Yeah. So the the guy who made this, it's made by one developer, one person. His name's Rasmus Koenig Sorensen. Mm-hmm. And he made this game sort of... Uh, the story is kind of interesting, but this to me is more interesting than the actual game. He, it's, he was unemployed, and he was depressed, and he couldn't find work. So he just figured he loves video games. He loved old Ape games. You know, he grew up with that stuff. So, what his free time, well, I guess what free time he had between looking for work, he decided to learn, like, video game programming and mm-hmm. make a game based on, like, stuff that he liked. So, that's what he did. He learned programming and made this game, 8-Bit wow. Boy, and released it. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing that someone can just, like, decide to do that one I day. know, I know, right? <laughs> that's what I thought. I'm like... I guess that's all it takes. It's, uh, it's just something more to the story. Like, how do you... Mm-hmm. It seems like you have to go to school or something to learn this. Uh, I guess not. I guess all you need is a computer. I guess, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's still like a Super Mario, and they're not breaking any new boundaries in this game. It's very simple, uh, like you said, limited color palette, but definitely leaning more towards the Mm 16-bit style of graphics. You can do your basic run, walk, and jump. Um, Like Super Mario Brothers, if you jump up under bricks, Mm -hmm. you'll bash them. And then some bricks will have coins in them. Some of them will have uh, power-ups. And the power-ups could be... Uh, so the, there's like three power-ups, but they all look the same. It's just different colors. 
and it's like a fireball or an acid shot or something. Mm-hmm. But it's like Super Mario Brothers when you get the fireball and you kind of like toss the ball in the air. Right. So in like Super Mario Brothers, Mario tosses it down. But in this game, you shoot it upwards in like um, uh, an upward arc sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. But it still ricochets. So if you have an enemy in front of you, you can't shoot them with your fireball weapon. You have to sort of either ricochet it off something well, you have to be, like, really close to them and then shoot. Mm. And you can kill them. Right. And uh, so it's a little weird how that works. You can also pick up a shield. And the shield gives you, like, one extra uh, protection from attack. So between the shield and a power-up, you can get hit once. And then if you get hit again, you'll lose your power-up. And then the third time will kill you. Mm. And then there's also an extra, like, barring from Super Mario Bros. 3... You can store a power-up, too. So if you lose your power-up, you can find um, an item that will give you, like, a a storage container sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can redeem that, and then you'll use that power-up, too. Nice. So you have a couple of different options to stay alive through the levels. There's five worlds total. And they don't tell you about the worlds, I think, until you get to world two or three. And then they show uh, show you a map, and it'll show you, like, the five worlds that you can go to. Mm -hmm. But you still have to do them in order. Uh, The the level styles are done like Super Mario Brothers, where it's 1-1, 1-2, and it goes up to 1-11, which would be the boss stage for the game. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I would say the level designs are also fairly predictable. Uh, Nothing, you know, your floating platforms, standard, mostly all side-scrolling. There's not even, like, vertical or, um, you know, major changes in the design there. You have your, like, your green hill zone, like, Sonic-type stage. Mm -hmm. You have your ice stage. There's the castle levels with the fireballs. Um, There's a desert stage with quicksand. Naturally. Yeah, so, uh, of course, your favorite, the ice stage. Yes, of course. (laughs) So, again, you know, <laughs> predictable stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I, I kind of liked about this game was it, there's a lot of hidden secrets in it, a lot of Easter eggs. Not Easter eggs, but just a lot of hidden stuff. So, like, the, a lot of the walls, if you walk into them, you'll the walls will kind of disappear, and then you'll see, like, the little hidden level, like, little hidden room will open up. And a just, lot of the times you, yeah. Just by walking into it? Just by walking into it. Mm-hmm. Usually you find them at random, but if you have the fireball weapon... You can if you fling the fireball and you notice the ball doesn't ricochet off the wall, uh-huh. then that means oh I could probably walk through that and gotcha. then okay. you see like another little like area pop up, and mm. um, usually there's like coins and stuff in there. So if you find um, now you can collect coins, but I'm, I didn't figure out why you wanted to collect the coins on every stage other than for points. Mm-hmm. But there is a special coin hidden on every level, and if you collect all of those then you get the true ending for the game. Hmm. So, like, when I played it, I beat the, the game, and I didn't get the true ending. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't even realize until I went back and, and did some more research and read that the, what those special coins were for, and that's what it is. You need to collect all the coins. Mm-hmm. So they kind of tell you at the, when you beat the game, that says, oh, if you just would have found all the coins, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So I guess if you want to save yourself some, self some time... Um, when you play play through it, try to get those hidden coins. But it is pretty difficult to find them. They're not always... Most of the time, they're hidden. And uh, a lot of times, they're kind of tricky to get. Are, so, they, are they in those secret rooms? Uh, yeah, most of the time. Mm-hmm. But there's sometimes there's like five or six secret rooms on the level. Mm. And there's also... 
like Super Mario Brothers as well, there's like those vines. If you hit like a brick, you might see a vine that goes up and you can climb that. Uh, usually that doesn't lead to another stage, at least not that I have found, but maybe for some people, I don't know if that's something hidden. Mm. Most of the time it's, yeah, pretty, pretty much like that. There's actually a warp zone that I found by going through one of the hidden walls. I think I found that on the first Let World, I think that was. Hmm. Um, I just walked so, through a wall and I went into something and it said, you know, warp zone and I ended up on stage two. Oh, so unless you skip ahead, but now you're skipping the opportunities to get right. everything. Yes. Right. So, so that's a downside. And, and you mm-hmm. couldn't re well, I guess I could have went back on the stage select screen. Maybe I don't remember if you can select what board you want to go to. Like, mm-hmm. Once you be the level, can you go back? I don't. I don't know if that's the case, but um, yeah, it's it's not that great. It's if it came out, I would say if this came out maybe like fifteen years ago, you know, I would I would probably think this is pretty cool because mm-hmm. it's nothing like else like it. But um, there's so many Mario clones out there now, and there's so many that I think do it much better, and so many more that capture like the eight bit feel than this game. That it's hard to recommend playing this. Um, plus, the, the jumping is very floaty. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's anything like the duck game that you played. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's, that's why also it reminds me of more like the European Amiga style platformer. Uh-huh. Where it's that very floaty jumping and sort of inaccurate landing on platforms things. Is it, can you, is it floaty but you can adjust your, your, your jumping? You can, but it's still like tiny platforms. And, yeah. Not horrible, but it is a little... Like, I don't think there's any stages where it was frustrating. There's some, like, Mega Man-style platforms that disappear and reappear. Mm-hmm. But there was very few of those, and those were a little... I, I didn't really have a big problem, actually, but I can see some people maybe struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, it's just... Like I said, the levels were just a little generic. Graphics weren't really anything special. Mm. I guess if you're really desperate for, like, a new type of Mario-inspired or Gianna sister type of game, then maybe give it a try. It's probably cheap on Steam. I think I got it for free, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Like one of those uh, free game of the day or something? Yeah, one of those things. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this might be another game that would be good on mobile, too, because it's one of those simple type games. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Hmm. Bit of a downer this week, then. Yeah, not hard. These aren't horrible games, but <laughs> I just can't say that you know game of the year suggestions or anything. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. I see. But I wouldn't say I, if it was that bad. I just wouldn't even continue playing it because there's some games that I'll put on, get to like the first and second level, and I'll say, all right, I'm just enough. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. But, all right. Well, so, hopefully, yeah. hopefully you find uh, something that's a little more pleasurable or. But more entertaining more to play. Game, more good games to come, I'd say, yeah, next, yeah. next week. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> All right, good. So I, I didn't play anything else other than that. Mm-hmm. But I did get some pickups this week. Wow, really? So it's been a long drought. You're surprising me. But do you want me to go first? Sure, yeah. Okay, let me grab... The item. It, it's the item, yes. I was keeping it a secret. I don't want you to see it, but... <laughs> I want you to try to guess what this item is from. What it's from? Yeah. Oh, wow. Check that out. Let's see if you can... Well, I know what it's from. You do? Yeah. What is it? It's from from Monument Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do know. Yeah. I didn't know if you were... Because you didn't play that game. No, but I recognize it. Oh, you do recognize it. So that's sure. what I was wondering. So 
so that I, I I mean I do have the game but I just haven't played it when I saw this I was wondering like do people even know like is there enough people to play Monument Valley to to warrant an actual plush toy so this is a plush <laughs> figure uh-huh. of Ida from Monument Valley which is a mobile game mm-hmm. on iOS and Android and I actually reviewed that game a while ago uh, so I got this. I actually didn't buy this. I, I won it in a contest. Oh no way! From I am Ape It. Wow, you're like, so, uh, you're like on a streak here. Yeah, they had I am Ape It had a it was just a store that sells this. Uh huh. They had a contest and it was like share like this comment and you know for a chance to win. Yeah. And they just notified me one day. They're like, hey, guess what? We you know you're the winner. And I was like all excited. I was like, hey. You never know, but this is, like, my favorite game of last year. <laughs> uh-huh. So, super cool. And um, it's pretty nice, I think. It's probably six to seven inches tall. And it has wireframes in the legs. Mm-hmm. So, you can pose. You can have it stand up. Or if you want to make it sit down, you can kind of bend the legs and it'll stay in its position. Mm-hmm. Um, the head rotates, like, sort of twists left and right, but it doesn't stay in that doesn't lock in a position or anything. Nice. But it's a simple little plush toy. Yeah, it's really cool. It's kind of neat. I think it's unique because you don't see many mobile-type merchandise other than, like, Angry Birds or... Jeez, uh-huh. um, I don't even know. What else is there besides Angry Birds? <laughs> <laughs> that made, like, a physical product, you know? Right, right. Maybe, maybe that's that... Um, was that sushi game where you had a, like, Fruit Ninja? Oh, yeah. And maybe, maybe might have made toys from that, but... I guess... So I like it. Plus, I thought the character was kind of interesting looking. Yeah, well, it's very sort of abstract yeah. looking. And, you know, it's uh, definitely an eye catcher. Yep. Hmm. Wow, so cool. And it's actually an official product from the people who made Monument Valley. Hmm. Yep. Very nice. Yeah, I like it. Not bad. All right, well, I guess I'll tell you about mine. Uh, this is... Uh, another special edition of a game that I already had, or a pair of games that I already had, that came in one collector box. And uh, this is from a site called Gamers Edition. And I think they have something to do with Eurogamer, the website. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and, you know, I, only because the, all the art assets on, on their store page is linked to Eurogamer. <laughs> so I feel like that's I guess that's where they're hosting all their yeah, probably, all their media. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is for Hotline Miami, one of uh, one of my favorite games of uh, I guess two years ago or something. Yeah, well I played it last year, but it was uh, definitely a game that left a, a strong impression on me. Um, so this is a package that includes both games, the first game and Hotline Miami Two, wrong number, the sequel. Oh, that's nice. So they have both in there. Uh, so they give uh-huh. you, you know, both games. Uh, this is uh, a numbered pack. I guess it's like a signed, like it's not signed, but it's it is numbered. It's my my particular number was number four thirty eight out of twenty one sixty one made, which seems like a kind of an arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, isn't it weird that they would number something? something in a low production run like that mm-hmm. like why bother numbering it like to me if you don't get number one then what's the point of even having a number on it because that's the only one i would want i guess just 
just so you know, maybe some people, you know, to be honest, when, when it does come to numbering stuff like this, yeah. some people do s- request specific numbers. Really? Some numbers are I've like significant for people and they, they want a particular number. That's interesting. Yeah. Right, so I guess that's why they do it. I, I guess. I, I don't know that there's that many, but, okay. but I know that that huh. happens. <laughs> so in this case, the game, the games come on uh, DVD right there's no like usb wacky thumb drive or anything like that but they also provide steam codes for the games to be unlocked in your steam library uh this is another one that comes with a cassette tape that features highlights from the soundtrack i think i heard about this one (laughs) uh yeah it also comes with what they call uh, a pack of five cameo cards and these are like trading cards that feature the people behind the scenes uh that made the game so it's uh uh, not just characters from the game, I think, but just actual... Like, there are characters in the game, but they're based on real people. Okay. So this features, like, what they were in the game and then who this is in real life. Oh, that's nice. You know? So it's, like, just... It's like supposed to represent, like, a, like, a, like a baseball card kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Um, it also comes with a little art card, and... Uh, which is also, like, a rendition of the two guys that made the games. Um, and also a, a stencil for the 50 Blessings uh, uh, logo, which is the mysterious organization that orchestrated um, the events of the first game, at mm-hmm. least. I don't know what happens in the second game quite yet, but but apparently this is, uh, you know, a representation of that group. And it just comes in like a big, giant box, along with um, an 80-page comic book that was specially made just for this edition that's not being reprinted in any other form. Um, and also like a postcard. <laughs> so a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, no toys or knickknacks or other tchotchkes yeah. that you get in some of these like other... an action figure or something. Yeah, yeah, nothing like that. Okay. It's just like a really nice presentation of, hmm. of, of the games themselves. Um, so this was, like I said, produced and shipped from the UK. It's got a, a naturally a, a Peggy 18 rating on the box. Okay. Um... I was surprised when I when I got this because I had ordered it like a month or two ago and I wasn't really quite sure when they were going to finally ship it. And I guess I I guess I somewhat forgot about it because I got it like a FedEx shipping notification saying like package coming from the UK, but I didn't realize it was going to be shipped from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Well, what is this thing? Well, I didn't I didn't order anything recently from the UK." Oh, they just like blindly sent you yeah, a because shipping notification, but not from the not company. from them, okay. just from FedEx. Yeah, I probably thought it was spam or something, right? I don't know what it was. I thought maybe somebody bought something in my name. Oh, great! It's <laughs> all well, I need. Cancel that as soon as possible. And, uh-huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure I'm here when it shows up, so I can refuse it yeah. and send it right back. No, but then once I saw the shipping label, then it actually said what it was. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Now, so this wasn't sold out when you ordered it? It was still available? Uh, I think there were something like... mm, It was 2000s, not much. So they they had a run. They had an initial run that sold out pretty quickly. Or at least they said, you know, we're out of of allocations for this one, for this particular run. But then, like, more recently in, like, a month or two ago, they, they actually said, like, we're clearing out of our warehouse of this stuff, whatever we've got left over. Maybe these were just overruns or something, or just extras they produced in case there were any damaged, um, you know, or lost or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think there was something like 150 available when I placed my order, and then, or, you know, during that order. And then I think by the time I checked out, 
there's like maybe 120 left and they oh, were okay. they were it took a while for them to sell out because mm-hmm. this is like a 60 dollar item so oh, it's, that's it that's cheap yeah well okay. you know i mean these are 15 dollar games normally <laughs> so yeah but considering it's overseas mm-hmm. and i figured you'd pay a little bit of a overseas tax on that yeah, and then I don't know what the native uh, just specialty items just seem to cost more in general. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I thought it was. I, I thought, thought it was say interesting. 100 when you <laughs> really, yeah, it's 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 a pretty big box. It's like this big. Yeah, I mean least. you get a lot like, of stuff in it. Like half a like a foot in, wide. A cassette long. alone used to run me like fifteen. Right back in the <laughs> okay, day. Okay, right. So you're getting a cassette right there, and, and among all the other stuff. Uh huh. Sure. I don't know. I don't know that I'll ever play that cassette. You don't think so? Uh, well, I have I have the soundtrack in digital. Wouldn't form. it be horrible if you had it in your car and then just start spitting out all the tape? I would. I would. I would not allow that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So that was my my big item for the week. Hey, you know, I know you didn't play Hotline Miami too, but mm. they just released an update like a year later for that. Mm-hmm. You saw that, and, and you can now make your own levels. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy because. Originally, I had bought it just for the PS4, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, on PlayStation because it was cross by with Vita, and I figured, well, that's great. I can play it on either one. Yeah. Um, but then that editor comes out, and I think it's only on PC. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's really cheap right now during the Steam uh-huh. summer sale. Right. So. Well, I mean, I have it now with the purchase oh, of this so, item. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so cool. I, so I could get it, but um, you know. I would have to break this open now though, to get to it, which I think I will, because I noticed the shrink wrap. I don't know. I've noticed this on some of my old items that are shrink wrapped. It yeah. kind of kind of starts to warp the box after a while. Like mm. some of the corners might get a little caved in, or you know, I, I, I might get into the habit of just breaking the shrink yeah, on some of the stuff yeah. before it squeezes too much in the box. You can always re-shrink wrap it. Mm-hmm. Or puncture it somewhere, you know? Like... I don't think that works. No? No. It's because it's not like a vacuum type thing. It's mm-hmm. it's just the compression of whenever they heat... They 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 did it too tight when they they um, heat shrink, shrink wrapped it. Mm-hmm. All right, well... Yeah. I'll probably open it anyway. Yeah, that was pretty common on old game... Bo- like, especially PC boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, what, that's a lot of times that's where I notice it. You can always get one of those nice, clear, protective boxes that they sell. Right. Yeah, it's... It fits. I don't know if it'll fit. But. It's a weird shape. I'd yeah, have to find okay. something that fits this thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, what do we got left? Maybe some feedback? What do you think? Yeah, I have one piece of feedback. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Sure. This one is from uh, Greg Polander. Mm-hmm. And he says... Just a couple of follow-up questions on Stephanie saying how much she liked Qbert. Yeah, this was in response to episode 85 when you talked yeah. about those Qbert-like games like Leap Day and Casual Cube. Yep. So he wanted to know, what is my favorite home port of Qbert? Mm-hmm. And he says, I've always held the NES one in high regard because of the choice of two control schemes and very close gameplay to the arcade. Also, if you haven't played it, Cuber 3 on the SNES is a blast. We covered it on the SNES podcast in one of the early episodes. So, uh, yeah, so he's on the SNES podcast, and mm-hmm. that was episode 4 he was referencing. Mm-hmm. So I went back and listened to it. Uh, and I, I, it took me some, some time, because, like, 
So a question like this, I take very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you take, not only do you take questions addressed to you seriously, but Qbert related questions. Qbert, yeah, this is serious business. Yes. I had to get out my paper and start writing down games and figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent use of my time, for sure. Yeah, why not? Uh, so, yeah. So he mentioned some things on the podcast, but one of the things he mentioned was, which I forgot about, was the Qbert pinball game. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't include that in home ports, because I don't really count that as a home port yeah but um i did play the cubert pinball game and i think that was in vegas in yeah the pinball museum uh, we saw um, it the... it's a very 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 nice looking machine it's cool uh the game not so much but yeah if i didn't own an arcade machine i mean our, our pinball machine i would own that for sure mm-hmm. but i probably wouldn't play it <laughs> the game itself wasn't that great mm-hmm. but uh it's it's still a tough question i think the Cuber 3 on SNES is my favorite mm-hmm. because I liked the psychedelic graphics in the back, uh, which is something that he didn't care for on the podcast he mentioned. He, he turned those graphics off. But I, I liked the psychedelicness of the um, the rotations and stuff going on. It felt like that's what Cuber Cuber's wacky. It's like a wacky world. And um, the music's really like jumpy and fun. I actually, it sounds crazy, but I had a little, uh, I had made lyrics to the theme song for the Super Nintendo game oh, nice. at the time. I, I, I thought it was, a, it was, it was dumb, but whenever I played over my, my cousin's house, um, and I would put the game on, I used to like sing a fake Qbert song, <laughs> like just make up like lyrics to it. That's awesome. Um, cause it sounded like a theme song, like a, like a, mm-hmm. a jingle or something. Yeah. So that was, that's my favorite. I think that holds the most memories. Uh, my first home port though was the 2600 version mm-hmm. and that one's sort of significant for me because that was probably my first 2600 game that I paid with my own money. Mm-hmm. And so that was what, in 83, right? 1983 and Parker Brothers version, right? Parker Brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big Cuber fan and there was a video store around the block for me and we would rent, you know, movies from there. And I remember seeing it, they used to sell Atari games, too. So they had it on the shelf. And I, and I was like, oh, my God, I want to play Qbert at home. So I used to do... Ch- my mom gave me, like, chores to do for an allowance. Because how old was I? Like, eight years old or something. Okay. And I saved up enough money. I think it was, like, $30 or something. And I bought it. And I was so excited. And I came home, and I played it, and I loved it. I thought that was, like, the best version of Qbert. Mm. Played it all the time. It was so much fun. And it's funny, because... Now you think of Atari 2600 Qbert as like a really bad version of Qbert, you know. Mm. But for the time, I I loved it. I played it so much. Um, yeah, that was like my favorite game for a while. And uh, I never had the ColecoVision version, but my friend had it, and mm-hmm. that blew me away when I played that. Really? Because it looked like the arcade. I was like, wow, this is amazing. But <laughs> um, the time when I played it, I had the Atari 800 XL. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up getting that version, like right soon after, mm-hmm. and I liked that version a lot, and I played that mostly, and that was probably my favorite version for a while. The NES version, for some reason, I don't know why I never liked that version of Qbert. Well, not I shouldn't say liked it. I, I owned it, but I, it doesn't stand out to me as my favorite version, or even like as one of my favorite versions. Mm-hmm. It looks great. I don't know if you ever played that NES version of Qbert. I don't think so. It's very fast. It's super fast. And it has a two-player mode. 
But the one thing that bothers me about it every time I played it was when Kubert jumps, it looks like he's looking up. Like his eyeballs are pointing upwards. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but every time I play it, that just bothers me. Like, why is he jumping down, but he's looking up? It's just the way that like, he's watching out not for... Not enough pixels, like... To, watching out for Coily to maybe. jump on him. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you just solved my 25-year-old question <laughs> in a second. <laughs> also, the, the NES sounds were really bad. And, mm-hmm. and probably when that came out, which was probably in 88 or something, I think at that point I was probably burned out by Q-Bird. I think all those retro, all those like Atari games and like old arcade games were sort of like a little boring to me at that point. It was like, oh, Defender, oh, Centipede, you know, it's like, I want to play new games. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like that little period where it wasn't retro for me and it was still like just a little played out. It, the nostalgia hadn't kicked in yet. No, no, not until mm-hmm. probably Qbert 3, like that time period. Yeah. So that's why the NES version was probably at the bottom of my list, I would say. Mm. Um, Another one of my favorites, the Game Boy version, is really good, and I played that one a lot. And of course, um, the main version, right. like kind of defeated all of them because once that sure. came out was. <laughs> there you go. It's the, it's but the, actually, it's I, the original game. Uh, yeah, I mean that is still it's hard to beat that. But this Super Nintendo version is it does so much more than the arcade version that mm-hmm. that still might be my favorite overall version of Qbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So that was a long answer, but it was a well thought out answer rather than doing a quick like response. Right. Okay. Online. That's fair. None of them have the thumper though, uh, or the knocker, or whatever that's called. No, I, I bet there's people who have recreated that though in mm-hmm. the home, like their home cabinets. Right. Like running through Mame. I think you, you could probably do it through Mame. Okay. Yeah. There was, I should point out there was an iOS game called Qbert's Deluxe, which isn't available anymore, but that was a pretty good game too. It's a shame that that one was taken off the store because of some kind of rights issue with Sony. Mm. That figures. Yeah. But it later got re-released into that really bad version that we have now. Mm-hmm. Whatever that's called. They borrowed <laughs> some of those elements from that game. Uh-huh. And made it a thousand times worse. <laughs> right. Not do, do you have a favorite version of... Do you even like Qbert? I'm not. It? I'm not particularly good at it. But so. Some people like really don't like that game at all. Like despise I, it almost. The the diagonal controls just don't don't That's click like with me. That's like the main so reason, and I that was never an issue for me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't like. I, I'm sure, especially when the game starts to get more complicated, where. You start to undo your your yes. your, your squares when yes, you hop on them. Like I don't really know the patterns well hard. to be able to like say, well, I need to repaint this area, mm-hmm. but I need to get to that one square. So I don't, I haven't like worked out all the strategies and and stuff. So I, I'm sure there's like a, you know, I mean, obviously there's like a almost like a language, you know, like like yeah. like you need to know the the right way to get to a certain square to get to it without undoing everything that you've done already. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it doesn't doesn't really resonate with me. Do you know what Qbert and myself have in common? Um, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> You're both redheads. Uh, well, he's yeah. I guess I'm orangey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So maybe that the one doesn't count. Uh, let's just say that he says a lot of nasty things. <laughs> uh-huh. He's censored often, yeah, very often. But you're not censored, though. You're uncensored most of the time. <laughs> that's that's. You have a point. Okay. Very good. Uh huh. 
had no idea. You had such, such, uh, you know, like such deep thought on on the subject of keyboard. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, so we've got a little, a, a couple more comments. One of them was from Greg Izzy, also commenting on that same uh, episode eighty five, the story about Galaxy in Turmoil, the uh, you know canceled Star Wars Battlefront three game is being released as a, a fan project, and Greg says. Can't imagine the Steam version of this unreleased Battlefront 3 will have any Star Wars license at all. At which point, why would anyone want it? Uh, Mm. So, I looked at their Steam page recently, and I haven't seen any real new updates to the release of this this game. But, everything still appears to use Star Wars assets. Um, Both Clone Wars and Original Trilogy, uh, you know, like, vehicles and characters are represented... Um, they even say, you know, uh, features the expanded universe, battle across some of your favorite planets from the Star Wars saga, ranging from Hoth to Coruscant. Hmm. So, I, I don't really know how they were able to do this. They're yeah. not calling it a Star Wars game. Like, they're not, because they're just literally calling it Galaxy in Turmoil. They're not calling it Star Wars or Battlefront or anything. They're not using any names, right? So, they're not using that name, mm-hmm. um, but they do appear to be using the soundtrack and they are using all the vehicles and characters that were in the game. So I don't really know what the final outcome is going to be. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think people are hungry for a fan made star Wars game or there? Cause there's a lot of star Wars games out well, there. Well, sure. Do you, and do you think like there's a place for a game like this? Even? Uh, Greg I guess doesn't, Greg doesn't seem to think so. I don't know. That's true. I, I guess it's a matter of part of it is the curiosity of, of, playing an unreleased game. Yeah. I, I think there's always some level of interest for that sort of thing. Um, plus the fact that it was, it's a fully realized game. I mean, it's not just like a broken piece of unfinished work. It was very nearly done, mm-hmm. pretty much ready for release and then was canceled. So it's a high caliber game. I mean, it's, it's well done. It's, you know, supposed to be, it would have been a good game if it had come out when it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, so, I think that may be combined with the fact that the latest Battlefront game is has not met everyone's expectations. Mm. Um, I guess all that put together, maybe it's got some some value to it. Um, I'd check it out. It depends on if it's got a campaign, which is what the one thing I wanted the most from the newest game. So, uh, so you still check it out because you're a Star Wars fan. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd, I would see what it's all about. I wonder, yeah. I mean, if anyone's curious to see what it looks like, uh, FrontwireStudios.com is the is the group that's putting this game together. So mm. you can visit that page and see what it's all about. There's a lot of games with the word battle in it. It's <laughs> Battlefront, Battle Cry, Battleborn. Battlefield. Battlefield, sure. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a... Um, it's a meaty word, you know. It's <laughs> it's got a it's got some impact to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I wonder. I, like I think about. I'm trying to think of a series that has as many games as like the Star Wars series does. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm having trouble coming up with an answer. But like I'm thinking, well, if they made a GI Joe game, like would I check that out if it wasn't like branded as GI Joe, but mm-hmm. sort of resembled a lot of the characters? And I probably would just because there's really not many like GI Joe games, but. You know, Transformers, maybe. Like, there's a lot of Transformer games at this point. 
mm-hmm. and like they have that mobile game that just came out, and I really didn't even download that to test right. it because judging from the videos, it didn't look like something I would play. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if like, does branding make a difference or not. Or I think if it's a quality game, I think people word of mouth will get around. Yeah, and people will check it out. Right. Well, there's been a long time stigma against any kind of licensed games. They've always been considered like shovelware or yeah. just stuff that gets rushed out to meet a deadline and That's doesn't true. necessarily have to be a good game. They're banking on the the recognition of the property, you mm-hmm. know, more often than not. But if it's a good, if it's a good solid game. And then you're a fan of the material. That's like, that's like the best situation. Yeah, and then maybe someone will hack it to include the, the names and everything, the proper names. And yeah, I don't know. It's not clear how they're going to actually. And then they'll get pulled off the store at that point. That's so weird. <laughs> once but... once it's on the front page of uh, Kotaku one day. Right. We'll see. We'll see if uh, Disney puts the screws to to Valve because mm-hmm. like. You know, they, they're the ones that offered to put it up Although on Steam. Although Disney just shut down their game studio, so maybe they're just right. like, they just threw all the papers up in the air and they said, ah, just forget everything, who cares? <laughs> they still have lawyers. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, they're prepared to Video protect. games, we're done with this, we can't. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Greg had one more comment on the previous episode to that, uh, episode 84, where I talked about the Quackshot game. Yeah. That uh, I mentioned earlier. And Greg says, never put Quackshot and Indiana Jones together. Interesting side note. Um, yeah, it's funny that I didn't realize that Donald Duck was so influential to Indiana Jones itself. I mean, that those whole those adventure comics that were put out were, were um, I guess, a big role in kind of um, setting the tone and that style, you know. Obviously, in addition to the 1930s style serial adventures that George Lucas drew from as well. But um, it's funny, though, because I was listening. I finally did listen to the Genesis Gems podcast episode about Quackshot as well, because I wanted to hear that after I played the game. And, uh, you know, Aaron Hickman, who uh, sat in on that episode, he's been doing that show lately. He he did also mention like um, that, you know, because they were based on those comics that explains the cast of that game too. Like I, like at first I had described it as well, you know, it uses a lot of DuckTales characters, right? But actually DuckTales was based on those comics too. And they made a decision to like not feature Donald Duck in that series because they wanted to focus on Scrooge and, and, and the, the nephews and, and then they created all those other characters too. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, you know, they said that like Donald was off in the Navy, like that's why he wasn't there. And that's why Scrooge <laughs> had to take care of them. Donald flew back to his planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, whatever excuse yeah. they wanted to come up with. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm always interested in the backstories to how these games are made. It's yeah. like a big, uh, a big part I would, of why yeah, I would never them. guess that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, thanks to everyone who wrote in. Thanks to uh, Greg Izzy and Greg Pollander. Yep. And uh, appreciate all the feedback. And uh, please visit us on Facebook. We're at Our Brooklyn Bites. Please send us an email at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. As usual. And if there's nothing else... Yeah, we'll catch up with you next week. See ya. See ya.